Hello out there. We're on the air. It's, it's Rink Moose Talk tonight. The beers are cold. The mics light up. And, and the, the boys, boys get set to fight. The gloves come off. Opinions get thrown. And someone slips on ice. One man howls. The other scowls. But the show must go on. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. With hockey flows. And Marshawn's nose. And Pierre Maguire's life. Not John's a leaf. Ovechkin's teeth. And Hoffman's crazy wife. When Carey slumps. And Benjamin stumps. Durant's not LaFontaine. Jokes aside, it's podcast time. And Rink Moose is the name. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Live from the Rink Moose Studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, we bring you episode 15 of the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast. For those of you who aren't familiar, the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast is a weekly episodic podcast where two good friends get together and discuss all things NHL as well as their implications in the realm of fantasy hockey. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Costu, along with my good pal, the Grand Poobah himself, <laughs> Kyle Nice. Kyle, how are you doing today? Maestro Fresh West. <laughs> Nicholas Costu, everybody. It's so good to be back in the studio. It feels like a long time because uh, actually in this studio is where we made our very first episode. So it's like uh, it's like a homecoming of sorts. So. I was scrolling on the internet the other day and, uh, you know, just scrolling through Twitter like I do on the Rink Moose Twitter, at Rink Moose, uh, and I came across this funny video regarding the Ottawa Senators. Have, have you come across the same video yet? I, I believe I did. I, it was late last night. I was just about to hit the hay and uh, ran across this video of, 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 of these schmucks. They looked like just a couple of schmucks sit, sitting in a cab. Like, you know, if we were just sitting in an Uber one day. And little did I know that these were actually members of the Ottawa Senators and wow. on their recent road trip through uh, through Phoenix, Arizona. So what do we have here? Let me let's break it down a little bit. So there were seven players in the van. We got this Uber driver, and um, it, it appears that they're just coming back from maybe a night of at you know at a restaurant. <laughs> Perhaps there was some drinks involved. We don't know. Like you know, guys, we're just speculating here, but we we're just. Uh, Oh, where do we begin with this? I mean, it's it's uh, it's quite the juicy news. And who else but the Senators, right, guys? I mean, come on. What did, what have we been talking about all preseason? This, if anything, drama is is to happen. It's the Ottawa Senators. So uh, a couple parties come out looking very dirty after this one. Very dirty indeed. Um, and I just can't uh, I can't imagine what the dressing room is like. Let, let's go through some of these uh, major quotes here from, sure. from the video. So we'll start with uh, everybody's favorite player now, Maddie Duchesne. Oh, boy. You know, seemed, before this video, seemed, seemed like a good moral Canadian boy, you know, mm -hmm. happy to be playing for a Canadian market finally. Yeah, likes his cottage, yes. you know. Yeah, you know, good good old Muskoka cottage boy. And, and he had some juicy comments for us in this video. And I quote. Oh, boy. Marty Raymond. The only coach in NHL history to have the worst power play and the worst PK within a calendar year. He went on to say, here's the other thing too. We don't change anything ever. So why do we even, why do we even have a meeting? I haven't paid attention in three weeks. Ooh. Which, which, which was response to, to Chris mm. Weidman saying, do you notice that when Rewan runs the video, if you actually do pay attention, he doesn't ever teach you anything. He just commentates what's happening. <laughs> man, oh man, I gotta say, I think of all these players in this car, I think Duchesne comes out, well, Weidman too, but Duchesne comes out looking like the biggest bad guy here. Now, the, the reason I say that, and uh, I don't know, okay, let, let's get into the morality. Let's, like, let's jump out a little bit. Let's get into the morality of the situation, Nick, because like, I'll give you my take. 
I agree with what everyone's saying that, yes, this happens. This probably happens on every NHL team in some form. Maybe not to the severity, maybe more. I mean, it, it probably happens in all sorts of ways. The problem is they did it in front of a public figure after stating who they were. Foolish. Absolutely foolish. Uh, you have to have some semblance of knowing that you are, you're basically, you're a celebrity in a way. You're, you're a professional hockey player. All right. And uh, second of all, the, where I have a problem here is that uh, Matt Duchesne, as a leader in, on this team, as he wears an A, as a veteran, is saying these things in the presence of young, impressionable rookies. Colin White, Formenton, Thomas Shabbat. Is this really the culture you want to kind of establish with these guys? Now, I get, I get maybe you have problems, and that's fine. But there's definitely a better way to address it. And uh, it, it sounds to me like Duchesne is airing his, not just Duchesne, but everybody's just airing their dirty laundry. And it seems like they haven't actually addressed it with the coach himself. Because if he's not changing anything, it's probably because you haven't uh, addressed the issue. So where I have a problem is that you've got a bunch of players here, some of them very young, some of them rookies. And you're just kind of shitting on the team, the system, the coaches. These are guys you're supposed to be respecting and listening to. So it, the culture is murky now. Like, how do you walk back into that dressing room and not feel this awkwardness every time? When Marty Ramond steps up to a whiteboard, how are you not all looking at each other like, ooh, this hurts, this is awkward as shit? Because it is. I mean, it's, it, this is public now. It's, it's, it is a breach of privacy. I fully agree. Full breach. I, I feel bad. But at the same time, they got to own this. They got to own it quickly. I mean, I saw the fucking half-ass apology letter. I wasn't impressed. Um, and it's just like the culture and the dressing room is in utter turmoil, in, in my opinion. And it's especially sad because this was a team who you, you thought was past all of this stuff. They, they issued the, the letter in September. They, Eugene Melnick had the sit-down with Borowetsky saying the culture has changed. Yeah. We're out of this mess. You know, we're, we're, we're back to being the Ottawa Senators of old. Mm. And, and, and yet here we are where uh, this is the exact opposite from what you'd expect from those comments. I mean, it, to me, if, if there was really class in this organization and if Duchesne really wanted, you know, to, to, to act professionally under these circumstances, you know, he would have just, you know, call, called Marty Raymond aside after one of those meetings and asked, hey, Marty, I, I kind of didn't understand this concept. Can you explain further? You know, they could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You know, they don't have to, you know, call him out in a, in a public manner like this. I mean, at least it's now public. And it's just, it just, it comes off as unprofessional. It, it comes off that there's turmoil in the dressing room, that there's a miscommunication, there's disconnect. Um, it, it's it's just it's just not healthy for a hockey team and and, and it's very ugly to see, to see this come out now what I will say in their defense is I'm sure this is a conversation that happens a lot more often than people think I mean there was a tweet by Ryan Whitney did you, did you happen to see this tweet Kyle I did I, I think I did he said this happens all the time um... every team in NHL history has had a cab full of guys ripping the coach or GM that's a fact. What a complete, complete scumbag move releasing that video. Mm. So, hey, I got to agree with him because we, we, I'm sure this transcends past hockey. You know, I'm sure people have had yeah. things to say about coworkers and bosses and all sorts of private settings that they wish wouldn't leak publicly. <clears throat> and it, it's just, it, it's unfortunate that this happened to come, you know, into the public eye. It, it is almost, as Pierre Maguire today said, Orwellian. You know, it, there's there's no privacy. It's like Big Brother's watching over you all 1984, the time. 1984, Nick. 1984. <laughs> that's what he referenced. You got to read that 1984. <laughs> and uh, you know, he, him being the English literature major, he uh, yeah, he had to drop that. But uh, yeah, I mean, so f I I guess there's two perspectives here. The first being, you know, clearly, you know, this is something that probably shouldn't have been leaked in the first place. It, it it's unfortunate that it did. It probably, you know. This is something that happens a lot more often than we think. But the reality is it now is out there. And now the Ottawa Senators have to address this, uh, th this debacle, this social media debacle. And I think the only way they do that is if 
you know, they clean up their act on the ice. I don't think things they say off the ice are going to reverse or, 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 you know, remedy this, this situation. But I think if on the ice they start to get their act together and you start to see kind of what you saw two years ago with the Craig Anderson, you know, wife, wife with cancer situation, that, that you know, you get some, some kind of character, some kind of jolt in, in this team, then, then may, maybe, you know, that, that can kind of remedy the situation here. But... I mean, they're they're in a dark hole now, and and I can only hope they can they can play their th- themselves out of this. Yeah, just when we thought that Ottawa had risen out of the mud that they were in in the preseason, we thought, you know, maybe people had forgotten about all the the shit that we talked and the media talked about them, and uh, and here it is again, just a mud bath. But um, you did make the point that Whitney said this happens on M- any NHL team. Uh, people criticize the coach. I, I fully get behind that point, but I, I fail to agree with the fact that, you know, big leaders and, and key leaders on teams are going to allow this kind of convert, this kind of criticism to happen, especially among young players. Like, I don't know if, if we're going to have a big leader like Sid Crosby, you know, laughing and joking about how bad the team is. It's never going to happen. Blake Wheeler, that's never going to happen. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, Zdeno Chara, never going to happen. Andre Kopitar, never going to happen. Like, this is what I'm talking about. It's just, a, it's it shows a lack of leadership. Uh, it's unfortunate that it came out. And another thing this brings up is it's going to bring some free agency trouble. I mean, they've just aired out... Uh, that the team doesn't respect the coach, they don't respect the system, free agents are going to avoid Ottawa like the plague, it sounds like. And they were already going to do that, and now it's even worse, I I fear. So that doesn't help the the squad at all. Um, the other thing is, just a side fact, Duchesne might be losing some money on the table here come free agent signing. It doesn't appear he's going to stick with the team. That seems pretty logical at this point, and it... I mean, I don't know if I'm going to extend him a full offer, a full market value for this player after I'm hearing this. Like, whether it happens all the time or not, it's just now it's he's got this label where you are this guy in the dressing room who's not going to respect the coach all the time and you're not going to, you know, be on the winning, winning side. So uh, out of everybody here, Nick, I think Duchesne takes a huge hit here. And I feel bad for this Marty Ramon character. I'm sure he's a fantastic guy. I don't know about his body of work or anything, but uh, it's just it's not a nice way for you to find out uh, that people don't respect your system. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And I, and I think the same can be said about Chris Weidman. It's, yeah. I mean, he's not a, you know, obviously not at the echelon or the, or the name brand factor of a Duchesne. And so, you know, you know, maybe this guy wasn't even going to have a job after this season. Who knows, given yeah. his play on the ice. But, you know, obviously he's front and center here, sitting in the front seat in this video. Probably dropped the most F-bombs of anyone. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I would not be surprised in the slightest if uh, if you see Duchesne and Weidman get, getting the boot. I, I know, you know, Shabbat's there too, but I think he's just too much of a talent to overreact <clears throat> yeah. over something like this. But. I think with Duchesne being an impending UFA and, and Weidman kind of being a fringe 5-6 defenseman already as it is, I, I think you can very well make the argument that uh, we may have very well seen the last of these two infamous characters. Yeah, that's another interesting point is what action will the organization take? It, it's a really... Because it's never really been seen before. It's a really interesting scenario. Do they take you know, public action or is this an internal thing or are we going to have to wait till free agency or the end of the year to see what happens? There's going to be, you know, some consequences whether we see it or not, but uh, I'm definitely interested to see how the Senators play tonight, whether it's just a shit show or whether they play well because they want to overcome all this. What what I don't think is I don't think they're going to be in the middle. I think they're going to go one or the other, really bad or, or pretty darn good. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. But, yeah, just some numbers on Chris Weidman here is a career high 17 points in 16-17 in 76 games. So, yeah, just not uh, not a good look for these guys. But, yeah, on the same side, like, we, we, are, we are seeing both sides here. Like, we do feel for these guys. We've probably all done this in some form. But uh, you got to realize you're professional hockey players. Like, it's just there's a smart way of doing things. They didn't, just, they didn't go the smart way, you know. 
So uh, yeah, anything else to say on the on the the Senators, man? Like, I mean, other can't than believe these guys. Other than just to stay tuned, and 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 seeing what what happens from this, you know, like you said, either they'll be at the bottom, the pit of the standings, or or, or this will, you know, kind of will come together after this video and and, and mm. form kind of a bond and, and maybe we'll see something like we saw two years ago it's going to be either one or the other there's going to be no middle ground if everyone listened to our predictions episode we are of the belief it's going to be at the bottom but of course we didn't expect this we didn't expect this this social media thing to just you know blow up in our faces so um i just you know on a parting note here i just say stay tuned a lot more reason to watch this team now, both on and off the ice. Yep. And uh, we see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a true test of, of now. It, it already it showed a little bit of character there, but it's a true test of character to see if you can get out of this. If you can, then kudos. Like, you overcame something really embarrassing and really big. So, yeah, we're definitely going to watch them. Watch them tonight. Uh, tonight's Tuesday. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep our eye on them. But, yeah. Uh, Wanted to get to another game of this past week. It was a absolute beauty, Nick. It was the Colorado Avalanche versus Vancouver. A high-scoring, high-talent, just full-octane affair. We saw the McKinnon line just go absolutely crazy. We saw two horrible, horrible goalies just seeing, you know, who's worse out of the two of us. I'll show you. <laughs> and uh, we saw a kid, a young Swedish kid, with blonde hair and a, and a fresh face, we saw him transform in front of our eyes into this figure in the NHL now that, you know, people are now going to have to pay attention to this guy because what we saw in that game is, is undeniable talent. What, do you, what are your thoughts on Elias Pettersson and the game itself? Well, I, I think if he hadn't had a coming out party before this, then this was certainly the coming out party Indeed. for Elias <laughs> Peterson, Pedersen, mm. however you want to pronounce the name. I heard there's been lots of uh, controversy over that. But uh, no, n- nonetheless, it was a fantastic game. You Obviously, I think the two highlights are, are the, the, the long stretch pass off the boards oh, to yeah. Besser. I mean, that's a play where not only is it, you know, executing the play that's, that's huge, but it's just the confidence to make it in the first yep. place. Because, you know, I, I'm sure a guy like Nikolai Goldobin isn't just going to fire the puck down the ice and, and hope Brock Besser picks no. it up, you know? He doesn't have the swagger or the confidence to make that play. No. But the fact that this kid just does that with no no fear or, or, or anything of that sort whatsoever, he just trucks it down the ice, pin perfect to Besser. Besser goes top corner. It was just a, a magical play, as, as Pierre Maguire would say. <laughs> Pedersen's uh, magical play. Yeah, there you go. I'm sure we'll hear that lots uh, in the coming years here. And and the second thing is obviously tying the game with under 40 seconds left. I mean, that was huge. Uh, he, he already had, what, three assists going into that moment there. He had the goal and three assists. And, uh, yeah, he, he's fed the puck about at the hash, hash marks, and he, uh, he, he, he ties the game up with under 40 seconds left. And if you hear the Colorado broadcaster – at that moment, he, he, he is crushed. It, it, uh, it, it, when he scores, it, it's <laughs> something along the lines of, quote, Pedersen, no! <laughs> Golly! <laughs> it, was, it, it was just, it was fantastic. Another reason to love the Colorado broadcast team. But nonetheless, I mean, it was, it was a magical moment. And uh, yeah, I mean, fun game. He obviously tied the game, went on to assist in the game winner. And, uh, yeah, the Canucks all of a sudden are, I believe, three games over 500. They play tonight in Detroit, so that'll be another easy matchup, hopefully. And hopefully they keep this going, right? What is going on in the NHL, Nick? <laughs> the last time I checked, the Canucks were, I think, first, first. In, the perci- yeah. in the Pacific. I could not believe my eyes. And I think I found my new ringtone now, by yeah. the way. The golly thing. Holy shit. But, uh, yeah, Pedersen here, my gosh, 15 points in nine games now. Um, O-Dog from TSN, <laughs> Jeff O'Neill, he went on to say on, his, on the radio show that in, right now Pedersen would be in the heart conversation, and he believes that he can be in the heart conversation at the end of the year. Uh, is there any merit to this, Nick? I mean, 
hot start, you know, crazy shooting percentage. We know that, um, you know, just bursting into the league, people can get a little excited. It is a little bit early, but uh, at the same time, the skill is undeniable. Uh, my question is, is he, you know, is, is it that time to say this guy is going to be in the heart conversation? I mean, if I frame it this way, say Vancouver makes the playoffs against everybody's judgment, uh, and this guy's got 85-plus points. I, I don't see why he can't be in the conversation. That makes total sense to me because, I mean, we, we said it. We, th- we thought Vancouver was going to be trash along with probably the rest of the professionals because that's what we are. So I don't know. If he keeps this going somehow, then uh, it's, it's definitely a possibility. What do you think? What's the ceiling on this kid? Well, I, I think just in terms of that framing that question, the MVP races of today, no, November uh, November 6th here, I, I think he's got to be there. Mm. I mean, he's, he's missed time. I think that can't be overlooked, the fact he had that injury. And uh, he's only played nine games. He's got 15 points in the nine games. So point per game numbers have got to be right up there with seemingly anybody in the league, if not yeah. at the very top. <clears throat> And uh, you also got to consider the fact that, you know, when you think most valuable player, you should really break it down just as, you know, it, it sounds. It, without this player, how would this team be performing? And I, I think if this team just had a Bo Horvat and an injury-riddled Brock Besser, Besser yeah. then I, I can't see them being here. <clears throat> so I, I think Pedersen has, is, is very instrumental for their success. They, they kind of dipped when he was out. Since he came back, they've kind of elevated. So clearly there's a correlation there between his play and the team's success. So I, I agree with the O-Dog there. I think if, if you just did a vote right now, he's got to be at the top there. Now, obviously, the other question is, can it be sustained? I mean, I think the obvious answer is probably not. I mean, mm. historically, rookies just they can't keep this up. You know, teams eventually match up against them. The, the scouting reports come out. You know, the, you, 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 you know, the... The results just decline eventually. So if, if I were a betting man, I don't think he'll be in the conversation by the end of the year. Rookie of the year, I think, you know, seemingly he should be there for sure. But uh, long term, probably not. But as of right now, definitely one of the most uh, intriguing storylines of, of the league for sure. <clears throat> and, and isn't he just making that uh, 2017 draft look, uh, look a little silly right now? Because we, we thought Nico Heischer was a safe pick. It was between Nolan and Nico at, at 1-2. And God, where did this guy come from? I guess he must have, must have blossomed late. But uh, to me, I, I look at this guy, as, especially in his rookie, you're similar to like a Matt Barzell type, but he's got a, a better shot. That's, that's what I see because he's got the vision, he's got the skating, he's got the passing, but... I mean, this guy can shoot too. It, it's it's pretty crazy the tool set that this guy possesses because we've seen him really snipe some pucks at the same time as as creating these off the boards plays. So, yeah, it's fun to see this, this the confidence on him. And I, I haven't been excited about Vancouver in my hockey watching career. I think I am now, Nick. And, it, and it's crazy to say that, but I I would now tune into Vancouver games even if they were just playing some schmuck team like L.A. So, yeah, that that's where I'm at. I'm 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 fired up for this guy, and uh, boy oh boy, is he making you know Nico and Nolan look like regular average Joes. But I digress. Yeah, now, I, I, no, I I agree. I I think it, he's definitely put some youthful exuberance into that organization, mm-hmm. especially with Besser coming in, you know, last year and doing what he did, and Bo Horvat. Really, I think he's being overlooked here because he's had quietly a very good season. Yeah. And he's showing to be a complete player here, especially when Pedersen was out. He kind of had to fill the void there. So I, I think between those three guys, and especially Pedersen, this is now a, a, a must-watch team in the NHL. And uh, among the Canadian markets, they I mean, this was what a lot of... I mean, at the start of the season, this was an Ottawa, in our opinion. This this was his team who could be Correct. at the bottom. But, but now, foreseeably, given... You know, the decline of the Californian teams here, and, you know, Calgary kind of being meh to start the year. I think you could you could make an argument that just maybe Vancouver could sneak into a play, uh, a wildcard spot here. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not out of the question. Now, to me, I, I look at the roster and I think, God, I wish they had a, a really solid puck-moving puck defenseman. 
If if they had Quinn Hughes in a in a with a little bit more maturity right now, oh, I cannot wait for that. And Matt, can you? Quinn Hughes is one of the most dynamic yeah. skaters and skilled defensemen coming up, and he's going to play with one of the most dynamic and skating guys already on the team. It's it's we're in for something here. They're going to Vancouver. Be good next year. Guys, you guys are crazy. Vancouver is going to be awesome to watch. This is going to be the future of the NHL. I mean, at its finest, it's going to be right here and right there in Vancouver. And, and I'm so. sure, I'm sure the fans there are digging it. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm almost. I heard that that stadium on that Rogers Place on Friday night was as loud as as that night where the Sedins had their farewell game. Oh my so God. they hadn't had a more lively night at that arena since the Sedin farewell game. So the fact that this kid is kind of rejuvenating the fan base there and giving them something to cheer about, I think is fantastic. Wow, good for him. Mm -hmm. So do you want to get over to the firings now? Unfortunately, yes. Does this hurt you, Nick? This is very sad. Oh, my God. John Stevens. You want to start with Johnny, eh? John Stevens. Fellas... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, we've been playing a lot of Red Dead. <laughs> Fellas, John Stevens is out of here. He wasn't a good coach. We kicked him out. Some schmuck. Couldn't get it done. Couldn't wrangle the boys together. Oh, my God. Settle down. John Stevens is out as the LA Kings head coach. He couldn't wrestle the team to score any goals this year and uh they become the embarrassment of the nhl and they become the poster boys for what not to do in the uh the national hockey league so (laughs) it's nick's favorite team so yeah i don't know anything about this new guy i think it's his first job in the nhl assistant coach what who is it head coach vancouver canucks three years what's his name um, Willie Desjardins. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. When we were in, when we were in first year, and they made the playoffs against Calgary, they yeah. had that really good year, surprisingly, and they made the playoffs against Calgary. He coached them that year, and then he got two more stints after that, and he did awful. Oh, okay. So really? he would have coached them when we were in first year, second year, third year, and then he's been <laughs> unemployed since. Right. Well, I'm glad he's getting his shot, but honestly, it's like he, they're throwing the guy to the wolves here. Are they not, Nick? Like this, what can he do that John Stevens didn't try to get this team going? Because, like, seemingly, it looks like they may need to change fundamentally how they approach their entire offense. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but the personnel they have, uh, they're going to have to be go way out of their comfort zones here to to get to get things going. And where I don't know how far along Gabe Velarde is, but day to day still. They they need someone like this to plug in some youthful exuberance. And this is a guy, God bless them, who when he was drafted was knocked for his skating, which is again so L.A. Kings. This is so L.A. Kings. So yeah, what what? How do you see the the tenure for Willie Desjardins playing out in the short term this season? Well, the first thing I'll I want to address John first because this is really sad. Quinville, oh, okay, this is very sure, sad. yeah, we'll 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 pedal back right after then. This was a very uh, influential character in the two cups the LA Kings got in in their in their most recent history, and uh, he was very much a, a student of the of of Daryl Sutter. And end I, of a chapter. I, end of a chapter. Daryl yeah. Sutter. He led the team to the two cups. He he was instrumental in in putting in that that heavy hockey system that stout defensive system and the belief was with the firing of Sutter and the hiring of Stevens you were still going to keep that structure and you were going to still keep that underlying system but you would you would now have someone who would be a little lighter on on the players a little a little more fun loving and not as strict and and that worked last year and he also you know let them free up a little and and hence there was the explosion of offense uh, i.e. I, Anze Kopitar getting the 92 points, things like that. But with this firing, it shows me that the management in L.A., whether it be Luke Robitaille or, uh, or uh, what's his face, Rob Blake, I think they're fed up with the system, and, and it's time to move on. They see that where the NHL is trending. They see all the teams they're losing to. They see the speed they're playing with. 
And they're saying we got to change the way we play. It's dated. It's not going to work in today's NHL. It's slow. And we're going to bring in a guy who can hopefully fix the issue here. And just to give you a little bit of a lowdown on, on Willie Desjardins, he, uh, he had a good stint in the WHL uh, coaching the Medicine Hat Tigers. Had some very good years with them. Won AHL Coach of the Year one year, I believe. He also won the championship there. Sorry, w- WHL. He won the championship there. Um, Jack Campbell, the goalie of the LA Kings right now, he played for him then. Apparently those teams were quick strike offensive teams, played with a lot of pace. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that's what they're trying to bring in. Then he coached in Texas, had, a, had it was very successful in Texas and the AHL, won a Calder Cup with them. So this is a guy who's won at every stage of hockey he's been to, whether it be the WHL, the AHL. And now he's in the NHL where, you know, if you look at his record overall, he's I think his record's just slightly under 500 with his three stints with the Canucks. But he did have the one very good year, which was his first year. And, I mean, for the Kings, I, I think the hiring here, it's, 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 it's looking for someone who is okay with just taking on a one-year contract because a lot of coaches aren't, you know, down for that. They, they want some job security. But Willie seemed like a guy, from what I hear, who is excited for the opportunity, who's, who's excited to, to lead this team and to change their culture. And, uh, and that's ultimately why I think they hired him. So it's a, it's a big deal for that, in that respect. And then also uh, what a lot of people are reading over is the assistant they named, Marco Sturm. A lot of people don't know this guy. He was actually the head coach of that Cinderella Germany team who led the German national team to the, uh, to the, uh, to the Olympic final against Russia. They beat Canada in the, in the semifinal, and they, they played uh, Russia in the final and almost beat them. I, I believe they took them to overtime. So that German national team, uh, Marco Sturm, he got a lot of recognition there. He's been great as a coach in the German league. And uh, he's a guy who a lot of people have been talking about as, a, as someone who's, who's an NHL coach in the making. So I, I think De- I see Desjardins as more of a placeholder there for now, you know, a year or two. And then Sturm eventually being the guy. Right now he's being groomed. He's going to be an assistant role. He's never been in that role in the NHL. But over time, I see him taking the reins there and becoming the head coach of the LA Kings. So, you know, obviously I don't know much about Sturm other than his success internationally. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, there's your lowdown as far as Desjardins and Sturm go. One last thing I'll say is, you know, as as far as me personally being the big LA Kings fan here, I'm dejected, I'm depressed, I'm not happy about this. This may very well change my view of the team. Wow. I may no longer be a fan of this team very soon because this... This is going to bring a cultural change. And, and I was a fan of that old style of hockey. And now, you know, John Stevens, the last remnant, the last little little blimp of that style of play is now gone. And, and you have this new coach, new culture, new management. Rob Blake obviously was new. He was just, you know, put in last year. This might be a very different LA Kings team, a team I may not back, so to speak. So tonight... It's a huge game against the Anaheim Ducks. It'll be Willie Desjardins' home debut. Winnable game. Anaheim hasn't been playing too hot of late. We'll see. This first game will speak a lot to me about the future of this team, the style they they, they want to impose here, and ultimately whether or not I follow this team anymore. And I don't know if a lot of LA Kings fans can relate to that, but that's how I feel, and uh, and, and we'll see here. It's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks for the LA Kings. Very well studied answer, Nick. Very impressive. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to hear. I mean, you, uh, people, when you don't live in that city and you like a team, you like them for various reasons. It, it seems as though you like them for their style of play. And you know, that, uh, that style just happens to be going the way of the Dodo. So <laughs> wayward soul, Nick is going to be on the show for the next couple of weeks unless these guys somehow do something crazy but yeah it's uh it's tough usually uh when i when i follow teams that are that's that isn't where i live and it's for little like you know players who attracted me to that team aka pittsburgh with crosby i don't know what i'm gonna do when crosby leaves am i gonna cheer for pittsburgh i don't know it's tough to say but it's definitely gonna be a sad close of a chapter so i i hear what you're saying there but uh yeah a lot of changes and just to touch on the Quenville thing really quick, because I don't know much about uh, the L.A. side, but 
it's uh i read a quote from patty kane saying that he, he wish he could have done more to help you know win win more games and be better for the coach it sounded like the players really did like this guy and you know he he was a he was a real he was a real legend in the city for a while and it just seemed like maybe his time was up uh no fault to his he's not a he's not by any means a bad coach but you know Coaches do have a shelf life in this league. You can't uh, stay in one place forever because you do. Um, if you you keep saying the same similar things, and you know it doesn't always work all the time. So a new coach is not always a bad thing, even though you're getting rid of a uh, a very good guy. But it's gonna be see who who. <laughs> there's gonna be some coaches that are on the hot seat that are even on a hotter seat now because I know I people are gonna people are gonna want to scoop these guys up. Especially Quenville, people are going to be like, "All right, uh, what's our next excuse to fire our guy?" <laughs> you know, get friggin' McClellan out of Edmonton, please, for the love of Christ. But uh, yeah, on to a uh, a very happy topic, a very triumphant game. I want to just point out really quickly here is uh, Brian Boyle, New Jersey versus Pittsburgh on Hockey Fights Cancer Night in Pittsburgh. What a freaking story this is. So not too long ago, Brian Boyle got diagnosed with uh, a form of cancer, and he recently said that it's in remission. So he uh, he's coming out on the right side of it. And boy, oh boy, doesn't he get his first hat trick of his entire career on Hockey Fights Cancer Night in Pittsburgh. What a heartwarming story. And uh, we give our best from Rink Moose to Brian Boyle in New Jersey. We're, we're super happy about it. And... Uh, we just uh, we love hearing things like this. We we love a good storyline, and this this one is uh, to me is the best one of the week. No, I I can't say it any better. I mean, say what you want about how nice of a hat trick it was, but to me that's that that means nothing. This this was a really great story that I think transcends beyond sport, and uh, and and the fact we got to see it in, in, in such a such a great manner for such a great guy. I mean, this talk about a veteran who had never had a, I couldn't believe he hadn't had a hat trick in his whole career. Mm-hmm. And it happens to come on, on Hockey Fights Cancer Night in Pittsburgh. Just what a story. And uh, I, I, I hope, you know, it, you know I, I hope this, this, this speaks to a lot of people. And, and, and it, it was really something to watch last night. Yeah, and it brings me back to my memories of, I think last year he scored a clutch goal. Um, on another one of these types of nights. I think shortly after he learned that he did have cancer the first game back, I think he scored a, a very, very important goal. So, yeah, he's, it just shows you the, how far, you know, emotion goes in this game. We've, we've seen tons of players who fight adversity and get, you know, play big games. We've seen it all over the place with different players. And uh, it's a beautiful thing about the game. It's, uh, it's these little storylines that, that get to you. But, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I did want to bring up another player before we end the show here. Actually, a couple more things. A couple more things. I want to, a couple more things before we get to our friend Andrew's uh, famous segment here. So I sent you a couple of screenshots, a couple of news clips about Jonathan Drouin before last night's game. And they were negative, Nick. Very negative indeed. There were some Montreal radio guys on the TSN feed over there. Mitch, uh, it might not have been Mitch Gallo. It might have been uh, the other guy, but they were just having a shit on Jonathan Drouin. Um, various sources said he was selfish, uninterested, uh, not passionate about the game, not a team player. And uh, boy, oh boy, I guess he fucking must have seen these things because he responded in a big way last night against the Islanders. He was fantastic last night. He was absolutely flying. It looked like vintage Jonathan Drouin. And I know you have him in your fantasy uh, league there, Nick, so I, I know you were pleased. But, uh, yeah, what did you think of the response from this player? It must be just a breath of fresh air after, you know, some of the stuff we've been saying and people have been saying about this guy. Is, is this here to stay or is this this guy just, you know, showing up one night? See, I don't want to read too much into this. And I, I know I don't know the player nearly as well as you do, but I, I know he had that very good point streak a few weeks ago. We Cut his hair? Ago. Well, I know the haircut thing, but the, the, the reality is he, he had a good week or two, and then he kind of shut things down, had been pointless for like four straight games, and then he came out with this performance. 
you know, two points, six shots on goal, power play point. Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was a good night. But I, I still, with this player, just how, how streaky he is, and how just moody he is, both on yeah. and off the ice, I just, I really don't want to read into this too much. I was going to drop him earlier this week, and, and I saw they had three games and four nights against the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Sabres. And I said, all right, let's give the kid a chance. So yeah. my hope is he builds off this. That's just my biased, you know, you know, uh, feeling, given I own the guy in fantasy. But as looking at this objectively, I would not read into this too much. Let's let's see this. Let's see how this plays out. What do you think Jodro says if he's in that cab there, Nick? Boys, stop saying mean things about the coach. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I, I would love to be a fly oh, on the wall. Come on. A fly I'd... on the roof of that car <laughs> if Joe Joe's in there. Boy, oh boy. No, I'm sure he's got nothing but good things to say about Claude Julien. <laughs> I'm sure they've had their differences. Let's yeah. be honest. The last thing I want to bring up, uh, I think we talked about it before until we get to our, our famous friend, Andrew. Uh, Mike, I just want to quickly divulge the uh, my quick trade between me and Mitchell, Mitchell Arnold, of our Schmucks League. Uh, I gave away Kessel and Flurry, Penguin Influence, and I received Stammer and Carey Price. And what what happens here? I get a phone call from Braid, and he says. Fair trade, man. I uh, don't know what to say. This could go either way. From what I heard from Mitch, you know, fair trade again. I asked Nick over here and he goes, Kyle, you lost this trade and it's not even close. It, it is true. I mean, you, the, re- the reality is... You're absolutely is ridiculous. I break this Folks, up. I, I can break this up into 1v1 and 1v1. All right? Let's at go, let's go let's, Listen up. Let's, let's go price and flurry, okay? Let's do it, yeah. The reality is, okay, flurry... He might be a tad bit more injury prone. We, we've seen him miss some games in the past, but he's been healthy so far this season. And the reality is the Vegas Golden Knights a or are a lot more of a defensively stout team than the Canadians. Say what you want about Shea Weber Matt. being in there. He's still an old man. Vegas Golden Knights without Nate Schmidt have still looked good defensively. When they get Nate Schmidt, I'm sure they'll be back at their Stanley Cup form of defense. This is one of the most stout defenses in the NHL. And, I mean, Malcolm Subban just hasn't proved to be a backup yet in the NHL. Antini Yemi has proven he, he's won some games for the Canadians. Just look last night against the Islanders. He, he came up clutch in that shootout, stopping, stopping all five attempts by the Islanders. So I, I look at A, volume of starts, and say what you want about injuries, but I still see Flurry being up there in that regard. And then B, in terms of splits... Okay, maybe he won't have the save, the save percentage of Price. Maybe Price is that great, you know, one-of-a-kind goalies. But, you know, consistently, if you have a, one of the best defenses in the NHL in front of you with Nate Schmidt, which, you know, he'll be joining the team this Thursday in Ottawa, I mean, to me, that's just, there's a lot more security there. So to me, Fleury wins out on Price. And then as far as Kessel and Stammer go, to me, Stammer hasn't looked the same for a while. He just doesn't have that same step in his game, that same foot speed. That same, you know, he just doesn't look as electric. He's got that shot, and we saw that on full display against the Canadians this past Saturday. But to me, Phil, he's just, he doesn't get injured. He's always there to play. Say what you want about, you know, how fat or out of shape he is. But the kids, you know, he's not a kid anymore. But the guy, he shows up to play every night. He's, he's going to be on that top PP. They're not going to bench him for any reasons or else he'll just whine. And he's got a wicked shot for a big whiner. He's got a wicked shot. He's going to be with, he's still playing with Malkin, who is, you know, right up there with the point leaders in the NHL. I mean, to me, it's just, I see his line mates. Stammer, he's not consistently with Kucherov. You know, you know John Cooper, he kind of plays around with his lines. He'll, he may put Kucherov with Johnson and Palat sometimes and have point with Stammer. So I don't know. I think, I think both races are tight. Don't get me wrong. I think Fleury, Price, and Stammer, Kessel are tight. But me personally, I just, for those reasons, I see Kessel and Fleury being, uh, you know, in, <clears throat> dominant compared to uh, Price and, uh, and uh, Stammer. Before the season began, I said that Vegas was very tough for me to predict. I said, we don't know if last year was a full fluke, half fluke, 40% fluke, or no fluke at all. 
But I'm telling you right now, as a Flurry owner, I had little to no confidence that this guy would win me any games. I uh, sometimes he'd come out and have like a 35 save shutout, and that's great. And I was very happy, but most of the time he was stinking the net up. It was terrible. Vegas, I, I've lost a lot of confidence in their play. Um, I don't think, I know Stastny, I know Patch Reddy's out, but uh, I don't think, and, and Schmidt, and Schmidt, but I don't think they have the same kind of, they don't have the same vigor as last year. Psychologically, they're not the underdogs anymore. They just came from the Stanley Cup final. Again, Patch Reddy is a slow piece of player. <laughs> uh, Stastny's no fleet of foot kind of guy. They, they may have lost a little bit of identity here. And, uh, and let's look at the other guy. His name is Carey Price. I mean, if you want to talk about an outlier season, last year Fleury had a, had a very good season for his standards. And last year Price had a historically bad season for his standards. So if I get average splits out of Price and, uh, and 35 wins, I'll be over the moon. If, if Price gives me a 920, over the moon. Um, and then and you, you mentioned Nate Schmidt's coming back. <laughs> Nate Schmidt's coming back, yes. But Shea Weber's coming back as well. And, and you can't tell me that this team is going to be the same or worse with Shea Weber back. Shea Weber is going to take away some goals against 120%. What does this allow you to do? It allows you to put Shea Weber on the top talent on the other team. And it allows you to put Jeff Petrie, who was fantastic last night against Barzell, on the second, the second line of the of uh, other teams, so that that's an improvement there. Um, and if we go over to Stamkos and Kessel, I'll say one thing on Phil Kessel: great player, consistent, never gets injured. Forty plus power play points last year, and he had a, I believe, a career high in points with ninety two. Forty plus power play points has. Almost never been done twice in a row in the history of the NHL. So that's going to come down. I can see him getting 80 plus. Sure. Now we got Stamkos over here. He had also he had also a 90 point pace last year. But the difference is he's done it his entire career. His the last three years average he's averaging about an 86 point pace, and that includes the start of this year. So he's right now shooting at his worst shooting percentage of his entire life. His entire life, he's shooting at a 9.5 last year, uh, this year. I mean, he's he's regularly a 14, 15% guy. Um, I just don't see how Kessel can be a winner in this, in this comparison in particular. And if you look at his advanced statistics, uh, ev- everything's due to go up. I mean, his points per 60 is way lower than it should be. Um, his 5-on-5 five five shooting percentage is... Four percent lower than it should be. Everything is pointing in the direction of Stamkos skyrocketing upwards, and at the very, 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 very least, it's an even deal. If not, Kyle's the winner. I mean, those are good points, but <laughs> again, I'll, I'll stand with what I said. I, I could see something happening at the tail end of the year where your good friend Johnny Cooper goes, "Oh boy, you know, boys, we locked up first in the Atlantic." Let's just, uh, let's just let's just say Stammer's injured. Let's say he's dealing with something day to day. Sit him and Cooch for the last three weeks of the season, where Kyle really needs him for his playoffs. Yeah. And uh, and there's the deal right there. The fate of the deal, the the, the winner is sealed at that moment. So, yeah. To me, Pittsburgh, they're going to be fighting for a spot at the tail end of the year, just given the the competition, the Metro. So that's just one little other point I want to make there. So yeah. we'll see if I'm right. We'll see if that's even something to, to, to think about. But to me, it seems like something that could very well happen, especially with Stammer being a guy who, you know, given the past five years, whether it be the blood clot or that other issue he was dealing with, uh, more of a physical issue with, you know, muscles, um, I... I you know, we'll see what happens. I just think there's more security in Phil, but I, mm. I digress. Yeah, just peace of mind wise, I'm so so much more happy looking at a carry price on my bench okay. than a, than a flurry. Does does it not concern you that one team has overperformed according to most pundits to this point, whereas the other team of flurry has underperformed? You know, uh, what what most pundits are saying because on one, one player can only do better and the other can only can only do worse. That's basically what they're saying. 
Yeah, on on a team perspective, I think you have that correct. But I think on a like on a player perspective, I think. But the team is dependent on like the the players dependent on the team with a yeah. goalie, right? Yeah. So he's not going to get the wins. He's not going to get the low GAAs, right? Well, maybe I'm only... saying, maybe I'm saying I, I'm more of a believer in Montreal than I was before. So you're you're more of a believer of Montreal keeping this pace than Vegas staying where than than Vegas escalating and going up. You're more of a believer than Montreal keeping the pace than Vegas all of a sudden shooting up when they I, get Stasny and Pacioretty and Schmidt back. I think. I think Vegas is going to go up a little bit, but by no means are they going to be where they were before. Mm-hmm. I think they could. I think they are a likely wild card team. Okay, I, I'm of the opinion if you get your number two center back, one of the best two way centers in the league, and you get your number one defenseman back, that's pretty significant. And yeah. I, I anticipate the results to improve. And it's not like Flurry's been total shite to start the year. I mean, literally that night you traded him, he posted a shutout against Carolina. Yeah. So, but before that, he did have well below he some, a 900. Yeah, he had some rough nights. Yeah. But, you know, with, with, with three big pieces missing, not to mention those two that I just mentioned, I mean, to me, Vegas, in that light Pacific vision, division, they're going to be playing L.A. a lot more often. They're going to be playing Anaheim very often, Vancouver very often. Montreal, they're gonna have to play Tampa, Leafs, Boston. I mean, that's a lot of firepower. So mm-hmm. I just I like owning goalies in the Pacific Division. You see that in the other league where I have Jones and Gibson, and I have Quick in the other leagues. But that's just a preference of mine. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll we see can what debate happens. all day, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased. And to be honest, uh, when I did make that trade, I was just uh, I was on the train home, and I thought, hey, why don't I just shoot a trade off? And I never thought he would have accepted it. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't really think too hard on it. So when he accepted it, I had to think, oh my god, did I actually uh, did I make a good trade here? And then I yeah, but it, it's all good. Like uh, it's just peace of mind because my goaltending has been a, a colossal wreck. Not I as d- much as mine, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're at the bottom. <laughs> you know, we're battling for worse goalies here. Uh, I just dropped my fucking... I just dropped Talbot, which was long overdue. So now I'm just going to be, you know, finding Band-Aid solutions all over the place because he's burning a hole in my roster. But uh, yeah, not enough about my problems, you know. All right, and on that note, guys, it's uh, officially time to end episode 15 of the Rink Moose podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh we had a lot of fun making this one. We're in the, the same studio finally together, and that felt uh, pretty smooth. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys liked it, and this is Rink Moose signing off.